morning, boys and girls. Won't you be my neighbor? <laughs> if it was colder, I would have put a sweater on, but it's a little warm, uh, the spring-like weather. Um, so today is a little bit different. Uh, I just want to talk to you as your pastor, and not so much a sermon, but uh, kind of talk about where we are as a church and where we're headed and what all that means for us. What is, it, what is required of each of us to go where we feel uh, that God is leading us? And uh, so I just want to kind of talk about that for a, a few minutes, actually several minutes. Um, I've been here for three and a half years now as your pastor, and this is my second uh, church to lead after a long-term pastor, as most of you know, uh, Mike Milburn, the wonderful Mike Milburn, was here for 29 years serving this church, leading this church, a uh, fantastic man of the Lord, doing a fantastic job. And so following him uh, has been my opportunity. I followed another pastor uh, of a church who had been there for 32 years. And so I understand a little bit of the transition that happens after a long-term pastor, some of the things that are normal that we go through. Most of you may not know, not having that experience, but I've had that experience and it takes typically, in my experience, plus others that I've read about, about three years or so before the new guy starts to become the pastor, uh, to feel like that. And so we're, we're kind of edging past that mark, which I'm very thankful for, and uh, that God has called me here. And I'm starting to feel it. I hope that you are uh, as well. Uh, and so that just kind of creates some interesting dynamics uh, for a church as we kind of transition from the past and focus more so on the future, that transition time is necessary. It's an important time as some foundations are laid and things are put in place to establish what is going to happen in the future. And I, and I feel as a church, that's where we are. So I want to talk about that today as we look at the year 2020 and what's ahead for us. Uh, but take a few minutes to kind of look back. Um, I, I was reminiscing recently about the search committee, and if, if you've been in a Baptist church, you understand uh, a search committee is formed to go and find the next pastor, and this church had done so. And through mutual connections, uh, found out about me, and I found out about you, and started those conversations. I remember talking to the search committee, and they were sharing with me some of the, the dynamics about First Baptist Burleson and some of the things that were here. And so I was intrigued. I was uh, encouraged to hear, first of all, uh, some of the things that just attracted me to this church it was a great history. You know, now 136 years. Uh, this church has been around more than a lot of businesses, uh, more than a lot of people. <laughs> uh, a lot of things that we see in our world don't last as long as this church has lasted. So that says a lot about a church and the significance of the church. I was also intrigued uh, the church's connection to the city because I'm a firm believer that a church needs to be a part of the community where it is placed and where it serves. And the fact that there may not have been a city of Burleson if there wasn't first a First Baptist of Burleson. How the city was kind of in some ways birthed out of the church, which shows a great history of faith, a great legacy of this place and this church. Uh, also that the search committee realized that there were some changes that need to be made. Uh, as a church, uh, there's always, change always happens, right? And so there was, that wasn't shocking to anyone as we talked about it. Uh, also something intriguing, there were some vacancies on the staff. There were some holes that needed to be filled, and, and some staff members who were here as interims, just placing the interim, waiting for the new pastor to be able to come and kind of formulate an old team. That was exciting to me to get to kind of put together a team. I've never had that experience before, so that was interesting. Uh, your history in church planting. Uh, if you know me, I'm very mission-minded. 
Love the idea of satellites, church planting, and, and that you guys had that history was very intriguing to me. And just the growth potential. I mean, just to look at what's happening to the city of Burleson, the surrounding areas of more and more people are moving in and growing. It's exciting to be able to see and experience. Um, I did have some concerns. I had a lot of questions. First of all, following a long-term pastor, I know that can be difficult. In fact, the average pastor who follows a long-tenured pastor, that pastor only stays about 18 months. And not all churches transition well. Not all churches make that transition. So I've doubled that number just about being here, so feel confident about it. And I plan on being here a long time, so just get ready for that, whatever that means. <laughs> all right. Um, the, the trustee model of governance, that was new to me, that you have 12 church members elected by the church that are kind of the governing body, now 13 we changed the bylaws to where the pastor is one of those trustees. So that was a new model for me. So I had a lot of questions about that. And just the, the search committee was very honest about some of the areas that were not healthy uh, of our church. And so obviously nothing red flag, nothing to say don't go there. Just there's some things you need to be aware of. And so looking at that and feeling the, the Lord's leadership to come and serve and looking back over the three years, kind of where we are, where we are today. This is how I would describe where we are. Again, coming out of that time of transition, uh, which is necessary and important, again, part of the transition. And obviously, we've lost people during the transition, which happens. It's common. But I realize some of your friends are not here to worship with you as they used to be. I hope and pray that they've found another church, but it's always painful when people leave. And I, I want you to know, as a pastor, I take that personally. <laughs> I try not to, but it, it, it is painful when anyone leaves. And I, and I hope and pray that they have felt called to another place. Um, and I hope that you felt called here. I truly believe, and I've said this before, as much as I feel God has called me here, I believe that God has called you here, and I hope that you have accepted that as a call of the Lord to serve in this church, uh, a calling that is placed on you. I hope that you're not here because of preferences. In our day and time, we deal with consumerism in church, and people pick a church basically because they prefer this, or they prefer that, or this is what they like, or this is what they don't like, or whatever, the, the reasons people either choose to go to a church or choose to leave a church sometimes are based on preferences rather than truly seeking the Lord. But I, I, I trust that all those who have gone to other places uh, are serving in those churches faithfully. And so that's in some ways exciting to know that. Um, and I hope that you're here for the same reason. We have a vision framework that we established shortly after uh, I arrived here. And just to kind of help us guide what we do. There are a lot of great things, a lot of good things going on, but it may not all be right for us. Every church is unique in how God has crafted it, the personality, and so we've designed a vision framework to help us know what we're supposed to do and what we're not supposed to do. And that vision framework includes our mission. Our mission basically is the great commission, the great commandment, love God and love people and share the good news of Jesus Christ to the nations. Uh, we have a vision uh, that's just, every church has the same mission if they follow God, but each church has a different vision based on its personality. So we are designed to be a multi-generational, multi-venue, multi-site, regional equipping church. This is our vision statement of what we feel God is calling us to be. Um, we have values, another part of that framework. What do we value as a church? We value the gospel for all people. We believe Jesus died for everyone. Not just a select few, but, but anyone, regardless of their life or circumstance or sin, because we were once in dark, we were once dead, and God called us into his wonderful light, and we believe that's true and available for everyone, whether they recognize it, acknowledge it or not, that it's available to them. 
another one is we value making Burleson a better place for everyone. Not just our church members, but everyone who lives here. That's why we're so involved in our community. We also value people over stuff. We realize that we are here to reach people. We are grateful for the stuff that God has given us. But that's not what we're about. We're not about walls and brick and mortar. We're about life transformation and about souls. That's the true heartbeat of a church, people over stuff. We also adopt the value crawl, walk, run. We're going to try some new things. We're going to experiment some new things. But we're going to do that in a crawl format. So we kind of think about if we're going to fail, let's fail small. (laughs) Because we've tried it a little bit to see in that crawl stance. And then if God continues to empower that or lead us in that direction, then we move to the walk. And then eventually we just kind of run. There's several ministries. Boomer Ministry is one that I think about that started that crawl. Just let's have an event. Right, let's have an event. There were some baby boomers that wanted to reach baby boomers and enlist them in service. So let's start with an event. And out of that has birthed the ministry that's, that's in the walk stage and about to start running. So that's a great model for what we want to see with all of our ministries here in our church. We believe that all ministry happens through life groups. Uh, everything starts in our life group. Mission trips, ministry, service, taking care of one another, deep Bible study, relationship building. All that happens in life group. All ministry happens through life groups. We're at a church that is at a size that is difficult to get the whole church together to do anything. So we realize that a lot of our strength comes from that small relationship group, our life group. That's why we encourage everyone to be in a life group. We have them meet on Sunday through the week in homes and places and businesses of the church. We, just, we have a plethora of opportunities for you to be involved in a life group because we feel it's very important. And then the last piece of that framework is strategy. That's what we call our life piece. Here's what we expect of you if you're a member of First Baptist Burleson, that you love God, that you invest in people, that you fellowship with believers, and that you engage the culture. That's it. We don't ask 10 things of you. We don't ask 20 things of you. We ask four things. We make that clear in every new member's workshop, every Discover First that people come in to join our church. We just want you to know what we expect of you. You have expectations of us as a church and as a staff, and we have expectations of you. Love God. Invest in people, and that's financially, relationally. Fellowship with believers, that happens in life groups. Engage the culture, also happens through life groups and other things we do as a church. That's our life piece that guides us. Uh, Where we are today, we have a full staff, (laughs) which has been the first time in three years that we have a complete staff here. And not just a staff, but a staff of leaders. One of the things that we were praying for as we started to fill some of those spots that were vacant on our staff. God, bring us leaders. As a pastor, what I look for in a staff member and a leader, someone who's coming to me and say, hey, Ronnie, I want to try this. I I feel like maybe this is where the Lord's leading us to do this. This coming to me with that idea is not me having to go to them and say, hey, you need to start doing this or you need to start doing that. And so we have that. We have a wonderful staff. And I just want to challenge you as a church to encourage our staff. When you see them and their their wives or their children, encourage them. Tell them how much you appreciate what they're doing. Words of appreciation mean so much. I know this sounds a little self-serving, but it needs to be said. We want to keep the staff, and and I want them to know that you appreciate them. I want them to know that they are loved and cared for by this church. And just walking up beside them and thanking them for what they do. And not just our staff or volunteers. It takes tons of volunteers to make church happen especially on a Sunday morning when you see people with the lanyards or handing out bulletins or making the coffee, just tell them thank you for what they do. They do it out of the goodness of their heart and their love for the Lord, and we want them to be appreciated. I believe that we are a healthier church. Uh, 
as we've dealt with some of the issues that need to be dealt with and we, we're kind of momentum is building in our church as we're moving forward I think we're becoming healthier as we go our trustees I'm very excited about what's going on with our trustees uh, I don't know if you've been to a trustee meeting before many of you have served as trustees but uh, one of the things we're dealing with now we're, we're talking through doctrine we're, we're learning and educating ourselves on the doctrines of our faith we're going through material called sticky teams understanding what it means to be a team the group dynamics uh, we're talking about vision a lot about what now we deal with some of the details that need to take place and decisions need to be made to keep our church running and all the things that need to be addressed but we're talking more about vision more about what's in the future more about what God is doing here and it's, it's exciting uh, we just add four, added 14 new deacons uh, to our deacon body and that's exciting uh, some are brand new deacons some have served other places so it's exciting to see the life there that's going on and so um now I want to share some of my frustrations. <laughs> Take a big drink. This is water, by the way. Because um, I just want to be open and honest with you. Because I, I want to share some frustrations or concerns that I have. And, and I trust that you share in some of these as well. So I'm just going to be open and honest with you. Uh, about where we are and where I see us as a church. And maybe some areas we need to strengthen. First of all, I'm frustrated that there are 55% of our church members who do not give financially to our church. That's frustrating because I think about what we could do if all those people were involved financially. And thank you to those of you who give. Thank you because we're able to do what we do. And we do some incredible things because you give, because you're faithful in giving. But we need more to be faithful in giving. We need more to buy into this vision that God has given us. Uh, we have a our theme for this year financially is all in. We're asking our members to be all in, in service, in giving, in attendance, uh, to be all in, to, to realize that we are called to serve the kingdom of God through First Baptist Burleson, but we are here for him, not for ourselves. We're here to serve, and that means to be all in. And, and I love this line. I heard this recently. We have more vision than we have donors. <laughs> we have more vision than we have people supporting it financially. We have more needs than our funding sources. We do have needs, and we do have vision, God-sized vision. We want to change the world. I mean, we really do. We want to make Burleson a place where, where God is honored and respected, where marriages are restored, where people who deal with drugs and alcohol and, and issues that, that are debilitating, that they are set free. We want to be the catalyst for that, for God doing that in our area. This is a huge vision, and we need more people to be supportive of that. And to be honest, it takes money to grow. It takes money to accomplish these things. One of the things as a pastor that hurts my heart when people who are Christ followers, a member of a church, don't give is because I realize the blessing they're missing out on. And so many times in, in a situation talking to someone who doesn't give to the church, you discover they have all kinds of financial struggles. If they will just believe God that he will bless them for giving faithfully, it changes everything. It removes fear and doubt and worry about money and about finances because God loves to bless us and honor our faithfulness. I was thinking about this issue, you know, as, as a family. We talk about a church being a family. And most of us just celebrated Christmas with family. Uh, maybe they came to your house or maybe you went to a family member's house. But probably most of us have that one family member 
that comes without a casserole, right? Everybody's supposed to bring something. This person doesn't. This person doesn't even bring a gift. They get a gift, but they don't get a gift, right? They don't, they don't bring a gift even though they receive it. And they just kind of leave and they're like, okay, well, he just kind of came and took, right? Don't be that kind of person. <laughs> don't be that family member. Don't be that person that comes to church just to take without considering that I'm supposed to give. It is more blessed to give than receive. The Bible tells us this. And that's a truth. It's not just a slogan. It's the truth. And so many of our people are missing out on the blessing that God promises to us. Not that he's going to make us rich, but he's going to bless us. It's a wonderful thing not to have to worry about finances, to know that God's going to take care of us. But when we don't give, we don't have that fear removed because we're trying to manage it on our own. I hope our people understand that God, is, God owns all of our finances. We're to be stewards of all of it, not just the tithe, but all that God has given us. And so my question is, why would you not give to your home church? And I think that's a legitimate question to ask. In, my, in most cases, it's, there's an issue. Maybe it's lack of education. Maybe they're new in the faith. They never understood that part of responsibility of stewardship of their money, giving of tithes and offerings. Maybe it's financial struggles. Maybe they're in, in debt beyond, over their eyeballs, right? And they can't, just can't seem to make it work. They, they run out of money and still have bills. And well, we can help. We can teach you how to be a good steward of all your money. We offer Financial Peace University. We're going to start a new class in a couple of weeks that will teach you how to get out of debt and how to be a good steward of all your money. This is an important part of our spiritual maturity. It's an important part of our growth. And to be honest, when we have 55% of our people who don't give financially to our church, that limits us in what we can do. It impacts all of us in our church. And I know we all want to be good family members. In this church, First Baptist Church, and this is my third one to pastor, every First Baptist Church has the reputation of being a country club. Whether it's true or not, it, it, most people who don't know the church think of it as the country. Well, that's where all the rich people go. Or that's, it's very closed. It's very stuffy. And if you've been in a First Baptist Church, I've never been in one that has been that way, even though it might have that reputation. But in my opinion, if you come and you don't give and you don't serve, then you're actually treating your church like a country club. Except country club, you have to pay dues, right? Maybe we should start there. But we don't want to be a country club, do we? We want to be a hospital. That's what God's called us to be. And so when you give financially, you allow us to, to help more people, to reach more people, to do and accomplish this God-sized vision. So it's frustrating uh, that, that more people don't. Another thing that's frustrating for me, I don't know why we're not running 2,000 on Sunday morning. I don't know why we're not just jam-packed and having to add more services because of the people who are showing up here. Now, we have about 1,000 people, and we're grateful for the 1,000 people that show up on Sunday morning. But there are a lot of incredible things going on here. Worship services are incredible. Here in the traditional and the modern, we have great worship leaders, choirs, bands, orchestras. I, I just don't know why you wouldn't want to be here. <laughs> and on average Sunday, about half of our members are here. Statistics tell us that now a person considers average church attendance to be about once or twice a month. I don't want to be an average church. I didn't come here because God called me to lead an average church. God is calling us to be a dynamic church. You need to be here on Sunday morning. Every Sunday. I mean, I know there's sickness and trips and games and all that, but I, I, I want to challenge you as a member of our church, and I know I'm 
preaching to the choir, but some of you may not be here next Sunday, right? <laughs> to be here. That's all we ask you. Just show up. There's great energy, enthusiasm, power when God's house is filled with God's people. It's a wonderful thing. And I just don't know why you wouldn't want to be here. I, I love being here. Now, I get paid to be here. I get it. But I, I love to be here. I love to be with you people. I love to be surrounded with God's people. I love to worship God with my family. I just can't imagine why you wouldn't want to be here. So, again, I think we battle with this issue of what I call cultural Christianity. There's a complacency in the American church. Because everything has been so comfortable, we deal with this consumerism. Well, church is really about me and what I like and what I prefer. And and if I'm not there, it's no big deal. But it really is a big deal. We're all impacted by this. I, I want to break out of that mold. That's one of the things I struggle with is cultural Christianity. First of all, that everybody in the Bible Belt feels like they're Christian because they live in this part of the world. Not true. Or maybe they went to church one time, uh, or maybe they go Christmas and Easter, so they feel like they're good with God when they're really not. There may be people in our church that feel like they're good with God and they're not because they've accepted this kind of complacency in church. I pray that God makes us uncomfortable. And if that requires oppression, persecution, so be it. God did not call his church to be comfortable. I don't want to be a comfortable church. Now we have heating and air conditioning, all that nice seats and all that. But as far as our spirit, we should be wanting more. We should be expecting more from our God to use us in an incredible way. So again, just attend worship, serve. This is what we ask people to do, serve. You can serve in Promises, a great ministry of our church that impacts our community. You can serve our guest services team. You can serve by saying hello to people as you walk down the hall. You can serve by greeting people who sit around you that you don't know or people in your life group that you don't know. Just going, introducing yourself to them, saying hello to them. Just, there are all kinds of ways to serve, but I hope you've come with this idea, what can I do for my church today? Not what can my church do for me. It's a different mindset. I'm praying, God, for for more people because we can do more things with more people. I'm asking God that we would be able to run 2,000 people on our campus. I think we can handle 2,000. It's just the beginning of more that's going to come, but I don't, that's what I'm asking God for. I don't know why that number is in my head. I just just ask God for more people. Ask God to bring more people who are seeking answers in life. More people who are messed up and they know it. And they're looking for answers and looking for help that they would come and we would be able to minister to them. We have a thing called the church profile. Every year we send in a church profile. uh, And I don't know, I don't remember the, the year. I don't think it's January to December, but whatever it is. The last year, the church profile that we sent in, we only baptized 27 people in that year, in those 12 months. We can do that with our eyes closed. <laughs> We've, this is an area we need to strengthen, reaching those who are far from God. We have to understand that God has placed us in our neighborhood, our businesses, our schools, that we might be a light to those who are in darkness. And that's one of the things we're going to focus on this year, more focus on evangelism, more focus on reaching people who are far from God with our faith story, that they might at least encounter Jesus in a personal way through our story. I would love to see us baptize 270 people this next year. There are plenty of people who are far from God out there. There are plenty of people who need to know him. And you know who they are. 
Because maybe you live with them, maybe you work with them, maybe you live next to them, but they're there, and we need to go find them. Another issue that I'm, I am concerned about, and I think we're getting better in this, but our church does have some cliques, adult cliques. I used to refer to that term when I was a youth minister about teenagers being in cliques, but unfortunately we also have some adults who continue to be in a clique. And a clique is something that's just kind of a closed group, right? They're, just, they're not interested in reaching out to other people, not interested in increasing their friend card. They're just kind of locked into who they are. And it's not ill-intended. I think it's just kind of the way they've become accustomed. They've been comfortable with that group and don't even consider reaching out to another group. And I realize that Burleson, and a lot of towns like Burleson, a lot of you grew up together. You went to elementary school together, high school together, maybe you went off to college or military, something, but you've come back to raise your families here because it's been a great place. And that's an awesome thing about a community, that it's such a wonderful community, you want to come back to it. The downside of that is sometimes you've had your friends since elementary school, and the thought of adding more people who are new to the community never even crosses your mind. Again, not because you're mean people, you just don't think about it. But I want you to think about it. I want you to add more lines to your friendship card. <laughs> we can never have too many friends. Because one of the things we talk about it in our church is we want to make First Burleson a great place to make friends. We don't say we want First Burleson to be a friendly church. That's expected. We want to go deeper. We want to help people get connected to become friends. Um, and that takes all of us, meeting people, introducing yourselves, telling people your name. And so let's just make this safe and okay. When you say hi to someone, it's okay to say, hi, I'm Ronnie Marriott. Maybe that's your wife, you know, I don't, whatever. Maybe you've met them a hundred times. I love J.D. Henderson, our prayer coordinator. J.D. Henderson, every time he comes up to me, he says, hello, my name is J.D. Henderson. I've known J.D. Henderson for three and a half years. And we joke about it, but it's, that's great. There's something deeper when you introduce someone and tell them your name, right? That shows a little bit more of intimacy. Again, we fight against that reputation of being a cold, stuffy church, and we're not. And we need to let those who come into our buildings know that we're not by sitting next to them, inviting them. I still have sometimes, not as often as it used to be, guests will come to me and say, you know, I went to a life group and no one talked to me. I sat there and no one said a word. To, or I sat in worship and no one said a word to me. Listen, guys, that cannot be First Burleson. We cannot be that kind of church. We need to go overboard. I need to hear people say, your people drove me crazy welcoming me. You know, make them stop, right? That's what I want to hear. Not I say, I came to your church and no one said a word to me. You've heard those stories, right? Those are terrible stories. May it never be here again. Especially if they go to a life group. You know how hard it is to get people to church? Do you know how hard it is to get them into a life group? If they have a bad experience there, they're gone. And this is eternal stuff we're talking about. They need to feel overwelcomed. Take them to lunch. Somebody new comes to your life group, hey, let's go to lunch together, right? You don't have to buy their meal. Go Dutch, whatever. Get to know them. Hey, I'd love to send you a text. I'd love to invite you back next Sunday. Just This church can explode if we'll just be nice to people. 
Make them feel welcome in our church, wherever they go. If you've forgotten what that's like, go visit another church one Sunday in a place you don't know anyone and you don't know the layout. Remember, and be reminded how awkward it is to go into a place you don't know. And, and let that encourage you to make sure that that never happens to anyone who comes here. Um, so I hope all of us feel that responsibility to make everyone who comes on our campus feel welcome. I know some of you say, well, I'm, I'm introverted. I don't care. <laughs> you can say hi and be nice and be friendly. Let's not find any excuse not to be overly friendly towards one another. That, that our church will be known, hey, you can go there. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life or how messed up you are. If you go to First Burleson, you're going to be loved on. Right? May they see the love of Jesus through us. So here's where we're headed. Our goal is to make sure that you are maturing as a Christ follower. Everything we do, we focus on honoring God, and part of that is discipleship. We want all of our members growing in their faith. That's why we talk about finances. That's why we talk about worship attendance. That's why we talk about life groups. This is important. We want to create a culture of spiritual development that happens in community, which fits our verse that we've adopted for our strategy, our life piece. The, the verse is Ephesians 4.1, where Paul says to us, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. If you are a Christ follower, you have a calling of God on your life. And our responsibility is to live a life worthy of that calling. Worthy of the calling to be a, a kid of the king. And worthy of the calling, the ministry he's placed in our lives. What we do as a church is we help one another achieve and fulfill that calling in our lives. And that's our focus and that's our goal. And so again, we break this all under our vision. Like, first of all, again, we're going to be a multi-generational church. There are five generations present on our world today. We want to reach all generations. We're going to be a multi-generational church. That's why we have a traditional service. That's why we have a modern service. That's why we have a Spanish service. And we're open to more services, more styles, more times. There may be a polka service one day. Who knows, right? <laughs> Whatever it takes to reach people. I won't be there, but you have fun. <laughs> Life groups to fellowship with believers, invest in people relationally. This is where discipleship, mentoring happens. This is where you guys can go on mission trips. It's hard to take our whole church on a mission trip, but a life group can go. Again, I encourage everyone to go on an international mission trip at least one time in their life. This is where ministry outreach happens. This is where relationships are built. All this happens in life group. We have short-term Bible studies that meet on Wednesday nights. Uh, we have some on Wednesday morning for women. We have men, women, couples, financial peace, care ministries that happen on Wednesday night. We're about to have our, our launch for Wednesday nights. Um, one of the things, I'm going to start September, no, September, January the 20th. Uh, January 20th, that'll start a, a series on Facebook Live. So Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday morning at 8 o'clock, I'm going to be on Facebook Live teaching through the book of Ecclesiastes, one of my favorite Old Testament books. Now, Facebook Live, so you can watch it live at 8 if you're available, or it records, so you can go back and look at it. But I'm just going to teach from my computer on the book of Ecclesiastes, so you can find it online through Facebook Live. And so that's something new. We're going to start January 20th. We'll talk about that more as it gets closer. January 20th at 8 o'clock. Grab some coffee and join me as we study through Ecclesiastes. Uh, the other one of the things we're doing now is called First Friends, where when people move new into our community, 
We get that information. We will call you if they're one of your neighbors and say, hey, you need to come by and get one of these bags. These are one of our new first friend bags. This is, you can take it to the grocery store. It's reusable. Katie Waking did a great job designing the graphic on there. It's actually kind of an animated drawing of Old Town. And the game that's on the bag, you have to find our two golf carts that are there. All right? So it's kind of like a Where's Waldo. It's Where's Golf Carts. Right? So you can get a bag and find that and game, but give it away, right, to give away to a neighbor. So we'll contact you, say, hey, the Jones family just moved four, down, four doors down. Come by, get a bag, put some goodies, cleaning supplies in it. Go invite them to church, give them this bag, welcome them to the neighborhood. Two weeks later, we're going to call and see if you did it. All right? So that's just something. Is our area growing at a rapid pace? You have an opportunity to step out and, and make a difference. And then who's your one? And this is something we'll get to a little bit later in the year, but I want you to start thinking about who is that one person that God has placed in your life for you to share faith with? Who is that one person that you know that is far from God? And the reason you're in their life is for you to begin to develop a relationship with them and ultimately share Christ with them. And I want you to start thinking about that, and we'll, we'll be challenging that later. Multi-venue, again, traditional, modern, Spanish, we're we'll, we'll open to other ideas. Multi-site church, one of the things that we are working with now is New Hope Church in Creswell, Oregon, the Walkers. Ben and Lana Walker, their son Rob, is a pastor, a church plant pastor at New Hope in Creswell. We're starting to send them money to help them financially, and this year we're going to take some trips up there to help them with ministry. The thing I love about Rob is they're a church plant. They've already planted two other churches. I think they're maybe four or five years old. I love that model. I love what he's doing up there, and they're, they're, they're us. They were members here at our church, and so we're going to be involved in helping New Hope, and I'm excited about that. We're starting conversations now about what's happening at Chisholm Trail. I don't know if you've driven Chisholm Trail recently, but growth is coming that direction. Godly is growing. All There's a lot of growth out in that area, not a lot of churches. So we're starting talking and praying through a satellite church out somewhere on Chisholm Trail. There will be a satellite of our church to reach an area that is not a lot of churches, um, and we're not coming into a church's backyard we're going to go in an area where, where it needs to be serviced with a church. And so we're, we're talking through that, feeling God's opening some doors for us in that area. So be thinking and praying about that. That's exciting. Um, I, want to know, I want to know what God is doing in Grandview. <laughs> Experiencing God, right? See where God is moving and follow him and join him. I'm finding more and more of our people who are moving to Grandview. I just want to know what God's up to. And just kind of thinking and praying, what is God, maybe, maybe that's a satellite campus or a church plant for us. I don't know. I don't know. But God's at work, and we just need to find what he's doing and joining. Uh, we're working now with our Spanish ministry to plant a church, a Spanish-speaking church in Cleburne. We're working on a partnership with First Baptist Cleburne, which is really cool for two First Baptists to cooperate together. <laughs> to plant a Spanish-speaking church in Cleburne. There are Spanish-speaking churches. They're just not healthy. As we've studied that area and talked to others, there's just not, there's a lack of leadership in that area. There's a lack of healthy churches, and there are a lot of Spanish-speaking people. School district, I think, is over 50% of a Hispanic population there that's right now, for the most part, being unreached. And so our Spanish ministry has got a team together that we're going to plant. If First Baptist, if it doesn't work with First Baptist, we're still going to move out there. There's already some homes that are open to start with a life group. Again, crawl, walk, run. All ministry happens through life groups from our Spanish speaking congregate, from our Spanish ministry. And I don't know if you've been to a Spanish service lately. You need to come. 
They meet in here at 11 o'clock. You need to come check it out. God is doing incredible things through Spanish ministry. They've adopted Cuba, uh, and you know they've taken several mission trips, and this last mission trip, in fact, next week, Jonathan Colon, our Spanish pastor, is going to share what happened in Cuba. It is amazing. It is absolutely amazing. Ishmael was just in Mexico this past couple of weeks. God did some incredible, miraculous things there, and so we want you to know about it. Um, in fact, just to brag on our Spanish ministry for just a second, they have doubled their attendance in the last year. And Jonathan told me that of their new membership, 50% of them are new believers. Is that amazing or what? That is awesome. I mean, God, God is doing incredible things through our Spanish ministry, and we need to celebrate that together. And then we're a regional equipping church. Uh, we do care ministries. You heard about financial peace. We do divorce care, grief share, other ministries that we're starting on Wednesday nights. Uh, we want to increase our impact of promises. Uh, that's a huge ministry. We're looking at maybe something in the evening because that's going to take more volunteers. We need more help with our promises ministry. But that's one of the biggest ways we impact our community is through our promises ministry. And so we're very excited about what God is doing through that ministry. Um, we also have a safety team here. We have 40 members of our safety team, and here they look scary, don't they? <laughs> here are some of the members of our safety team. And after the shooting in White Settlement last Sunday, it's important that you know we have these people here to take care of us, to protect us. But they do so much more. In fact, I uh, wanted to share just a little bit about what they do on our church more than keep us safe. Uh, 40 active members. They are trained for medical, weather, natural disaster, and security emergencies. Uh, made up of church members, some are police, some are SWAT. We have fire and rescue, medical professionals, and then highly trained volunteers. There are 12 on our team that are licensed, trained, personal protection officers. So and many of them are level four FBI weapons trained. So this is a serious team. And it's been a huge ministry. I've been impressed at how many people have joined our church because they wanted to serve on that ministry where they really couldn't find something that connected them in another church, but they want to serve on our uh, ministry here. They serve alongside our guest services ministry because we realize the, the adage, hurt people hurt people. So they're also trained to deal with people who are in crisis, who come on our campus and may be just distraught or whatever. They're, they they find them, they're looking for them, and they go and minister them in a very powerful way. They're placed throughout our campus. You may or may not see them. In fact, I have a shadow every Sunday uh, that kind of has an eye on me, and so I'm asking for some taller shadows. So if you would like to volunteer. Um, <laughs> but they kind of have an eye on me, and I'm grateful for them, uh, for shadows. In fact, they kind of, wherever I go, so if you come to Connection Point, you know, if there's any kind of an issue, they're there, or if you come to me to complain, they know what to do, so just be aware. <laughs> and most of them are packing, so just know that too, all right? So they're well-trained, organized, in fact, so well-trained, so organized, we've had other churches come and, and learn from us, churches like Prestonwood, uh, Highland Park Presbyterian, some mega churches who have come to see what's going on at First Burleson, and we've been able to help train them. Uh, so it's a flagship ministry of our church, and we're grateful for those who serve to keep us safe and also minister to our people. Um, you know that uh, ministry safe is something we do at our church. If you work with children or students, you have to go through a background check, so we'll make sure all of our volunteers are, are, have passed those background checks. 
And so our goal is to help any church or ministry in our community to go through ministry safe, to train their volunteers. Well, not all of them have money, so we've offered to help finance those needs. And in February the 1st, I believe, Greg Love, who is the author of Ministry Safe, is going to be here leading a conference for Burleson in our church. So we've invited him in. We're hoping for at least 300 people to be there to help train others the importance of Ministry Safe. And Ministry Safe is to help protect our children against predators, how to identify a predator uh, that might be trying to groom children or groom parents. And so this is a huge need in our area, and so we're grateful to be able to help uh, strengthen that so that if you're a predator, you know don't go to Burleson. We want to make sure that they understand that. This is not going to work out well for them. And then joining the mayor and police chief against fighting uh, domestic violence. David Couch last week shared a story that actually happened on Christmas Day. We get a call from one of the areas of our police force that there was uh, a female who'd been the victim of domestic violence and needed help, and we were able to help with the Burleson police to get her out of the state and get her to safety. On Christmas Day that morning, our church responded. So we're serious about this. It's not lip service at all. We're serious about getting people help in our area to make it a better place for everyone. We want to continue to develop ministers and ministry teams to send out and provide other resources to churches in our area. And so I just landed on this verse. It's a familiar verse for most of us when you think about a time of transition or growth or or new areas. 2 Chronicles 7.14, where God is speaking to his people about some of the struggles that they've gone through, some of the reasons that they're experiencing those struggles. And then he says to his people in verse 14, If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. I think that's a verse for us. We should be humble. (laughs) We should never take pride, arrogant pride, in the name First Baptist Church. We're not here to promote the name First Baptist Church. We're here to promote the name of Jesus Christ. Only he saves. He is the name people need to know. Now, we're grateful that God has placed us here as a church to help people know that name. But it's about knowing that name. It's about us knowing that name and living a life worthy of that calling that others might see the glory and the grace of Christ. So next Sunday, I'm starting a new series. It's called Broken Before Breakthrough. And we're going to go through the book of 1 John. We're going to study 1 John and talk about sin and confession of sin. Being broken over our sin, being broken over our fears, being broken from our anxieties, being broken, broken over people who are far from God, broken over the condition of our world. We're going to look at what it means to be broken as a Christ follower. And then the latter part of that series, we'll be looking at stories in the Bible where people experience brokenness but experienced a breakthrough out of it. People like Paul, like Zacchaeus, Isaiah, some of those stories where we can see some of those things that that happen when we experience a breakthrough. So next Sunday, we'll start that series together, Broken Before Breakthrough. And I hope that you're here because I truly believe we need a brokenness. I struggle with pride. I struggle with sin. I'm asking God to break me. In fact, I want to challenge you. I want you to think about it. I'll I'll reiterate this challenge the next two Sundays. 
But I want to ask you to think about it. Talk to God about it. Is God calling you to join in this challenge? To join me in fasting one meal a month. Fasting and praying one meal a month. One meal a week, sorry. One meal a week. And I know some of you can't fast because of health reasons, but you can pray. To fast and pray one meal a week and to pray this prayer. Father, break me of anything that is offensive to you. Let's start with ourselves. Let's ask God to get a hold of us individually. Father, is there anything in my life that is hindering me from experiencing the power of your spirit? And if there is, Father, break me. Convict me of it, Holy Spirit. Father, break me of anything that is offensive to you. And then the second prayer, Father, break our church of anything that is offensive to you. We want to be a sweet aroma to the Father, not a horrid stench. And so I'm going to ask you to join me in this prayer. I'm starting this week. You can, you can think about it, pray about it if you want. One meal a week to fast and pray this prayer as we go through this series. And, and I want us to pray this until God does something. I don't have an ending date on this. We'll change the prayer focus through the series, but this is just, I just want us to pray and truly ask God to pour out his spirit on us, his church in this place. And I don't want us to stop until he does. I don't know about you, but I want to experience a mighty moving of the Holy Spirit. I believe that's why God has called us here. Because he is looking for a church that will cry out to him, Father, whatever, whatever it takes. And I hope that we have a sense of urgency. We don't have time to wait. We, we can't play church anymore. We have to be the church. We have to push back the darkness. We have to storm the gates of hell with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because there are people that you know that if they don't know about him, will spend eternity in hell separated from God's love. This world is a bad, scary place, but God's here. Can you imagine a world without him? Well, that's hell. God, make us uncomfortable. Break our hearts over our sin and over those who do not know you. This is my prayer, and I'm inviting you to join me. So this morning, I want to invite you to, to pray. We have a response time at the end of our service. And, and I just want you to know, uh, in the modern service and here in the traditional service, there are going to be some pastors. Down here, uh, we're going to have David Couch uh, in just a minute. He's going to be here, and he's going to stay after the service. If you don't feel comfortable coming down during the service, he's going to be hanging out for a little bit after the service to pray with you, to talk with you, to share Christ with you, whatever your need is today. Uh, down in our modern service, we have Rick and Sam. They're going to be down front to receive folks. Others may join them, and they're going to be hanging out after the service. Uh, you have time to come and visit with them as well. But this is your time to respond. I don't, know, I don't know how you need to respond. Maybe it's the time just for you to pray about this challenge, pray about your life. Maybe the Holy Spirit has convicted you of a sin in your life, and it's time to turn it over to the Lord a fear that you have, a weakness that you have, and it's time to just get that right with God. Maybe you don't know Jesus personally. You're seeking answers of life and looking for some help. We're here to help. We'd love to. These folks can help you here. 
Maybe you want to know how to join our church. Uh, we can talk about that as well. Whatever the need that you have. It's been a great three and a half years. And I believe that God has been preparing the soil here for what he wants to do. And now it's time to do it. <laughs> now it's time to get serious about why we're here, why we are the church. Again, we don't have time to wait. It's time to wrap it up. But it's going to take a church to do it. So I hope we're ready. I know we're ready. I believe we're ready. You think you're ready? All right. We better be ready. We're going to miss it. God's going to go somewhere else. <laughs> we want to be a part of that. So I want to pray. And then uh, these folks will come down front and be available for you if you need to come and talk to someone. Father God, I just thank you for your love, for the power of your Holy Spirit that lives within us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. There is not anything that we can't accomplish through you, Father. We are children of the King. And Father, we don't want to be an average church. We don't want to be a complacent church. We don't want to play church. We want to be your church. We want to make a difference here and in the world. In Creswell, Oregon, in Africa, in Cuba, in Haiti, wherever we go. Wherever you send us, Father, we want to go. Maybe it's across the street. Maybe it's next door. Maybe it's to the cubicle next to us to be the light of Christ to those who walk in darkness. Father, as your church comes together to fast and pray, we are asking you to pour out your spirit on this place. You've done it before here. We've heard the story. Some of us have experienced it. We're asking you to do it again and to do it like you've never done it before. This is our prayer. And we believe that you will make it happen. In Jesus' name I pray.